it's really important for us as women to make sure that we are jumping into the democratic process as leaders, as active participants in this collective experience, because our voice matters. And we have the opportunity to be so much more powerful in shaping the direction of our democracy, of our policy conversations, of our public discourse, right? If we jump into the process. And so, you know, we always frame the work that I do through my role in Women's Democracy Network as if you're going to build really robust and resilient democracies, it requires the equal participation of women. And so that's really something that I come back to, whether it's, you know, the U.S. or any country around the world, right? Women have to be an active part of the democratic process in order to make it work. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner, or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips, and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to Political Contessa. I am Jennifer Nassor, and I am your Political Contessa. With me on today's episode, I have Valerie Dowling. Valerie has worked in the political process from grassroots campaigns to the White House. In 2015, Valerie joined the International Republican Institute as the director of the Women's Democracy Network. Yep, a Women's Democracy Network. That's an actual thing and a very important thing. She continues to work to increase women's political participation, leadership, and representation in elected office globally which is so important and something that I truly believe that we need more of, which is why it's so important you listen to this podcast today. Valerie doesn't just, she didn't just wake up one day and get a job doing this. She actually has significant experience. So she worked at the Republican National Committee in the office of the co-chairman as the director of women's programs and was focused on creating programming to engage more women in the Republican Party. This is a phenomenal guest who works every single day to do exactly the thing that, God, I wish I could do by snapping my fingers and rubbing my crystal ball and getting more of you interested in politics, interested in policy, talking about it to your friends. And you guys for you to encourage the women you know to be take an active role in politics. So Valerie, thank you for being on Political Contessa with me today. Well, Jen, it's my pleasure. Um, thank you so much for that kind introduction. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to continue to work and learn from you and the work that you do every day as well to talk to women about why it's important 
to be active participants in our democracy, that we have power and access and the ability to change and shape the future. And so I'm just always excited to have the opportunity to join you. Thank you so much. It is so we chatted a little bit before the podcast and and Valerie and I have known each other for a while from my previous role and we run in a lot of the same circles. So we've had this conversation, but one of my favorite stories is, you know, how I have friends that will go out and shop and not think anything of it. And then when it comes to donating to a candidate, it's like pulling teeth. They don't know. They can't do it. They have to ask their husband, you know, and and all of a sudden it becomes an issue. And so fundraising and donating to candidates is part of democracy. Part mm-hmm. of democracy is talking about issues. Part of democracy is knowing what the candidate that you're voting for actually stands for and believes in. Part of democracy is voting. And it's not just voting in the general election because you can grab your coffee and go stand online and go chat with your neighbors, but it's also voting in those primaries. So Mm -hmm. you do something totally cool and interesting, which is also work with people, women globally on an encouraging democracy. What do you see in comparisons and what do you have as lessons? I mean, I have so many, of course, I have so many different questions on all of this, but Let's go. Talk to me about what you do. Well, let's jump in. Jen, as you mentioned, we met years ago in our shared work of working to get more women involved domestically in our political process. And I, I always describe myself as kind of an accidental women's advocate. I never really set out thinking that this was my issue or something that I was passionate about. But, you know, jumping into the political process, as we all do, we start out really young and naive and idealistic and thinking that, you know, we're going to change the world. And then over time, we start to see where are some of the roadblocks to being able to actually do that more effectively. And, you know, throughout my time, I had the opportunity to work in the White House. I worked for a grassroots women's organization. I started to see the power in numbers that women have, right? We make up over 50% of the world's population, yet we don't have that level of representation or access to power in our own democracy. And so it was interesting over time to see how women were really key and integral to the political process, particularly from a grassroots perspective, right? Women are the first ones asked to help jump in and organize a campaign or go door to door or be the ones who are leading in these get out the vote efforts. And then oftentimes they're not really plugged in on the back end of that to making sure that they're helping to shape policy, think about political strategy. And so from that experience, I really started to get a little frustrated with how women were part of the workforce, a key part of the workforce, and yet weren't really able to navigate um, into political leadership positions at the same level as their peers. And so I started to see opportunities to work to kind of get more women a seat at the table, increase the visibility and the platforms that women who are already in public office or in political leadership positions have. And then also to think more strategically about how we're messaging around issues to women, right? As we've talked about, women are at the intersection of everything, We tend to be the ones who have just careers and are manning 
schedules of kids and partners and thinking about caring for, you know, parents or other family members that that may fall on women in their roles. And, you know, so we see issues from this very unique kind of intersectional approach. And so I think that it's really important for us as women to make sure that we are jumping into the democratic process as leaders, as active participants in this collective experience, because our voice matters. And we have the opportunity to be so much more powerful in shaping the direction of our democracy, of our policy conversations, of our public discourse, right? If we jump into the process. And so, you know, we always frame the work that I do through my role in Women's Democracy Network as if you're going to build really robust and resilient democracies, it requires the equal participation of women. And so that's really something that I come back to, whether it's, you know, the U.S. or any country around the world, right? Women have to be an active part of the democratic process in order to make it work. Right. And what I find is women are great about talking, right? Mm-hmm. We talk to each other. But what I noticed, and, and before I started Pocketbook Project years ago, it was called Conservative Women for a Better Future. And I started that after I was chair of the Mass Republican Party, because I went out on a hunt for women to get them prepared to run for legislative seats in the next cycle. And it was after Scott Brown won his historic race for United States Senate. Charlie Baker had just run for governor for the first time of Massachusetts. And I had all of these women who came out of the woodwork that I had never known before. And they were smart. They were hardworking. They were interesting. They were the soccer moms, the hockey moms, the, you know, the local attorneys. They were powerhouse women. And I sat with a bunch of different groups and I went around and met them and said, you would be, you all, I don't care which of you runs. <laughs> one of you runs, one of you is a campaign manager, one is you, of you is the fun, fundraiser, you know, like you guys figure it out amongst yourselves. And I kept getting the same response. And I don't think it's changed today because I'll tell you this other thing. But the response was, no one knows I'm a Republican. And if anyone found out, my social life would be over. And and it wasn't like, oh, you know, my coffee days would be over. It was like my kids wouldn't have play group. I'd be kicked out of carpool. You know, my husband and I would not have dinner plans anymore, you know, whatever it was. But it was like, no, I wouldn't have a social life. And I'll tell you, since Trump was first elected president, when he was first elected president, I lost my first friend who just immediately just stopped talking to me. Like not a, not a nothing. I mean, it was just like, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and I'll never talk to you again. And has never reached out, talked to me, anything. A bunch of friends since then have lost other friends because they know that they're Republicans or they post something and other people, they don't want to hear from them. And they've blocked them on social media. And so I think one of the things is to get women over that weird hurdle that men don't have. Men don't see the social structure, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, you play squash with me, great. And if not, I don't care. <laughs> like they're, they're, 
oblivious, whatever it is, like live in their own beautiful world of not caring, but women take it so personally. So how do we get women to understand that this is about something bigger than the emotional feeling that they feel? This is about our kids, our grandkids. This is about your nieces and nephews. This is about your parents' well-being. This is just about safety. I mean, what you see overseas, right? It's you see women in the Ukraine, you see women who live in South America, you know, women who live in the Middle East, who it's it's a matter of education. It's a matter of safety. It's a matter of not being raped. It's a matter of being able to have a job and to support yourself. So how, how do we move women along? That's a great starting point. Jen, to talk a little more about what we do through Women's Democracy Network. So IRI is an international nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that focuses on strengthening democracy around the world. And after about 40 years, this is our 40th anniversary, 2023, but after 40 years of kind of doing this work and thinking about how we really bring more women into the political and civic life of their countries, we decided it was really important to create a platform to allow women to connect with one another, right? As you mentioned, women tend to be more relational. They tend to have an interesting perspective because of the roles they play in the social structure on a wide variety of issues. And they tend to be oriented towards being consensus builders or more collaborative in their approach to thinking about policy discussions and and really being interested in kind of ultimately finding a solution, right? And so this makes it a natural fit for why women need to be involved at all levels of the political and civic process in our communities, in our countries, if we want to see democracy work. And so we kind of approach this conversation with a really basic entry point, right, of why women? Why is it important for you to think about your role in the broader democratic process. And so we really want women to see their voice as being critical, right, in selecting who represents them in helping to, you know, push a platform that aligns with the issues that impact them on a daily basis and that are going to continue to impact the world that their kids and their grandkids live in. Are they, you know, represented? Do their uh, do they look and see People who look like them in politics, are their daughters seeing women in these spaces? Are we casting a vision that shows that every citizen's voice is valuable and integral to getting this democratic experiment right? So we really started this conversation that a lot of people don't necessarily see why politics applies to them as an individual. They're kind of disgusted with the whole process. They don't really see how their participation makes a difference. And so that's really kind of where we start educating on what democracy is. And that's every single one of us playing a part in making sure that we're governed in a way that is going to give us a life of dignity and freedom. And so, you know, that's the real entry point. And then that really evolves into the next step of, so what is my role in this? You know, I think it looks different for every single person. Not everyone has to be a candidate, as you mentioned. And so we really want to highlight the full spectrum of avenues for political engagement. Is it getting involved in an advocacy issue that you care about, right? Is it 
running for office? Is it running for a local office? Is it running for a state office? Is it running for a national office? Is it donating and making sure that you're investing, whether it's your time or your money in candidates that you feel like are the type of leader you want to see? Um, you know, when you look at your representation, every single one of these jobs is equally as important. But what's really as important is that we don't sit out and expect someone else to do the work for us. And so, you know, after kind of talking about why every voice matters, we really want to point women to find an avenue that fits, get involved, take action. And then, you know, for us too, once women are brave enough to step into the ring, we want to make sure that they have support. I know that's what Women's Democracy Network does for women who are running and are elected. We want to know, we want them to know that we're with them every step of the way. And I know that's the work that you do through the Pocketbook Project and through the organization that we're part of, Women's Public Leadership Network. Um, those support systems really matter. It's a very different decision if you are stepping into um, the political process, knowing that you have people who are standing behind you and are going to encourage you and be sounding boards, share advice, they're going to invest in you versus thinking that you're jumping into this process without any support behind you. So that's really where we come in and why it's so important for these organizations and these networks to exist to support women to make sure that they, you know, understand their roles and responsibilities when they're in these political leadership positions and that they're really equipped to be effective and efficient leaders who are results oriented. When people look at them, they see a difference in why a woman is representing them than a man. You know, I think that's really important. And that's, I really think the full spectrum of how we envision getting more women to be active participants in democracy. Absolutely. Oh my God. I wish I could just can everything that you just said and like have it on a bullhorn on the top of my car and just drive around. With it. So, you know, I'm supporting Nikki Haley for president. And, and so one of my things is just how she relates as a woman for me as a woman, right? And I'm assuming it hits everyone the same way, but it, it's kind of like like different level of understanding. And, and I try to encourage my daughters and my friends just to look at how candidates are speaking. Are they speaking to you and at you? Or are they speaking with you? Are they listening to you and trying to comprehend what you're saying? I mean, I've supported friends that are Democrats for office because I know that their door is always open because they're good people and and they are, you know, generally women too. But I mean, you know, they're good people who who want to listen and they want to do the right thing. And for me, it's less about the political persuasion and more about the understanding of, you know, we all come from even in, in whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you're coming at it from a different perspective. We all were raised differently. And I think women generally have a better understanding that we were all raised in different households by different moms who taught us different ways. And maybe we're just coming at things from a different way. And it's not bad just because it's my understanding and not yours. So so let's go to some of the, I want to talk about some of the more interesting places you've been 
you know, where the IRI has gone and and worked on democracy and how how perspectives are in countries and areas where democracy isn't as robust. So, for example, here in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is the most elitist, sorry, I, I'm just going to call it what it is, but it's the most elitist state, I think, in the country. And the reason is we are a very wealthy, well, maybe less wealthy. We just lost almost $800 million in the first quarter. But that aside, we're probably the most wealthy state, you know, is based on the size of our state. We're definitely the most educated state in the country. And so definitely a lot of elitism over here. It's, it's, different and more difficult to help people understand why democracy is so important, because I think people take a lot of what we have for granted. So you do work in different places. Explain why, why, why is it that democracy is so important to, to be part of that process and not just be an, you know, armchair quarterback? Absolutely. You know, I think about kind of coming into the job I have now. I'd worked domestically in politics. You know, I'd really focused on our own challenges at home and to, you know, as far as getting more women into the process and making sure that we were talking about issues in a way that didn't define issues as women's issues and every other issue. I really hate that classification because as you and I have talked many times, Jen, every issue is a women's issue, right? Women have perspective on Every single issue, whether it's foreign policy or national security or economic policy, taxes, trade policy, education, you know, we care about all of these things for different reasons. And I think sometimes, you know, we just take for granted the opportunity that we have as Americans to participate in our democracy, right? You mentioned the importance of voting and going out and being active early on, right? And primaries and general elections. And I think sometimes as Americans, we have the privilege of taking that for granted, that it matters, that we have an important role. And so when I was working domestically, I started as a volunteer trainer for the International Republican Institute, going and working with them and helping to share some of the ways that we were thinking about these challenges domestically with some of their partners abroad. And so my first trip was in Zimbabwe, where I was with Women's Democracy Network while they still had a dictator in power. And so it was somewhat under the radar, but we were going out to the middle of nowhere to have a conference with women who were part of women's wings of their political parties. So basically the political parties had created these kind of siloed structures where women could run the show, right? They were able to, you know, talk about issues, talk about how to get more women involved, but they weren't necessarily mainstreamed in the party leadership structure. And so I was going to kind of share how we were thinking about um, those opportunities here at home. And I just remember never having really thought about why democracy was so essential, right? We as Americans eat, breathe, and, you know, sleep idea of this personal freedom and you know our our rights and and the all the different access that we have to um participate in our governing structures and you know here was a country where women had to meet secretly where they could not you know actively openly participate in the political process where they could not 
you know, shape the policy issues that impacted them in their daily lives. Yet here they were willing to sacrifice valuable time and, um, you know, their own personal safety to dream of a place that they could get to as a country in which they would have that ability. And I remember just hearing these women talking about what it meant to be part of a political party or to be an active uh, you know, participant in conversations around political party platforms. Oftentimes, it meant they were working all day in agricultural settings, and then they would walk five miles to go to a political party meeting in a place that you know, did not freely allow them to participate in their political process. But they felt like it was a worthy investment of a limited amount of time and a significant amount of energy because it might open that for their kids or their grandkids. Um, and I just remember hearing these women talking about working a full day out in their farms and then walking five miles to this political party meeting in the evenings and then walking five miles back, 10 miles just to go and attend a political party meeting that may or may not allow them to successfully participate as opposition in an election, which may or may not topple the dictator um, that had ruled their country for many years. And I just remember being floored and thinking these women would be willing to do anything to have a voice, to have a vote, to have a vision that looks different. And I just thought, you know, here we are in the U.S. trying to convince people not to get cynical, not to sit on the sidelines, not to think that it doesn't matter because we get that right of the decision to decide to participate or not. And women around the world would be willing to die in order to have the opportunity to actively participate in their political process. And so it was just really inspiring for me. I see this all the time where we work. I I think there was a part of me that thought maybe the challenges in the U.S. would be more advanced than, you know, some countries that were newer democracies or that had more closed kind of ideas about social issues or, or different things. And really, I have come to find that those challenges are somewhat universal across all of our countries, all of our communities. And really, the thing that allows us to uh, shape that or change that is women getting involved. And so I've been really encouraged to see how brave women are to step into the political arena in places where it could cost them their life, where they are going to face character assassination or accusations or be told that it's not their place or that they don't have value or their voice doesn't matter. And yet they still jump in and they lead in a way that not only makes a difference for uh, other women to see, but it paves the way for other women to follow and join them in that fight. And so I think it's super humbling um, to be reminded how hard some people have to fight to have the opportunities that we do. And so, you know, I think it has given me a whole different perspective on why it's important for me not only to do the work that I do professionally, but also to put that into action in my own life and to continue to invest in bringing more women into 
the political process in our own country. So that's amazing. And what a powerful story. I mean, those are the stories that have friends who went over on those trips and did elections training years and years ago. And and I just remember listening to their stories and just being in awe of, of how much we take for granted here when it comes to the electoral process and, and being able, you know, we complain today, such a big complaint is freedom of speech. Oh, they're trying to stop our freedom of speech and the cancel culture. That's bullshit because, you know, in other countries, like you're actually risking your life. Like, you know, they could try to cancel you, but you could still go on the, you know, on the street with a bullhorn and a sign and go talk about whatever you want. And you're not worried that you're going to get mowed down or thrown in jail for the rest of your life. And so it's so interesting to have that experience, but to to help women understand the importance. So again, you know, and you brought up something really important that I'm glad you brought up, which is how we've discussed that all issues are women's issues. Mm -hmm. The media likes to portray that women only believe in, you know, whether it's pro-life, pro-choice, women only care about the abortion issue. That's the only thing. I feel like women should be completely and utterly pissed off, you know, for no, no other, because it makes me mad. Like we're that stupid. That's the only thing that we're actually concerned about because I don't know, I'm a single mom. Like I have to put gas in my car. I have to take my kid to school and to sports. So that costs more gas. I have to put food on the table. I have dogs. I've got to feed my dogs. I've got to bring my dogs to the vet. I've got to take my kids to the doctor. I'm actually paying attention to what things cost. I'm also concerned that when I throw my child on a plane to go back to her school that she can't drive to, that God forbid there's another international, you know, big event that takes a plane down that worries me about my child so i'm always concerned about foreign policy and how we're we america america is viewed on the foreign stage if we're weak if we're strong i mean so you know what the border is like drugs coming across the border and having teenagers and worry that god forbid that lands up in something right and kills my child i mean so there are so many issues and and it's like we are not that single minded but the media makes us out to be. And I think it's so important for women to understand that the democratic process is understanding that everything, as soon as you walk out of your house in the morning, the road that you're driving on is paid for by taxpayer dollars. The schools your kids go to paid for tax by taxpayer dollars. The post office, the, you know, it's everything that you do. And when you can't find your elected officials, and they're hiding out in their bunny slippers at home because they're still going by COVID rules because they cannot meet in person because, God forbid, there might still be lingering COVID out there three years later. That's an issue. And maybe you need to take those people out and run against them and, and have some real representation. How important that is in democracy to be able to have your voice heard, to understand issues, to be well read on them and all the sources that we have available to us. And 
it's just, it's amazing. And that the whole Zimbabwe story, I mean, God bless those women because that's exactly what it's all about. It's about, you know, if if there is no democracy, that's where we are. You know, we're we're at secret meetings clandestine meetings of trying to figure out how to build a political party and get out a dictator. That's unbelievable. And they're so joyful while they do it too, right? You know, I think that's what's so amazing. They live in these hard sets of circumstances and they still find joy at being able to think about being part of the process and, you know, and jumping into it. I think it's a good reminder for all of us. And Jen, I think you framed that so beautifully around the idea of all issues are issues that women care about. And I think it's very obvious when someone starts to talk to you as if only a small subset of issues are issues that you care about. And I think it gives you a clear picture of how they view women when they talk to you in that manner. And I think a great example is I just got back last week. Um, from spending a week in Northern Ireland with a delegation of mayors and city councilors from Ukraine. And they were in Northern Ireland to meet with women who had been at the forefront of the peace process. And after the 30-year troubles in Northern Ireland, you know, we spent time with the women who formed the Northern Ireland's Women's Coalition and were really integral in bringing their parties to the table and kind of brokering a peace agreement. And now 25 years later, they had a lot of insight on a whole variety of issues in a post-conflict society that we wanted to bring these Ukrainian women over to have the opportunity to study and engage on as they think about their own country, hopefully with a victory soon, and what it looks like to have women at the center of rebuilding a country that's been devastated by foreign invaders who came in and have basically destroyed every part of their communities, displaced people, had you know massive loss of life. And I guarantee you these women did not mention a single time a small subset of issues around you know, that are often defined as women's issues. They're talking about economic policy, attracting foreign development funds, thinking about demilitarization, talking about policing and communities and building trust, thinking about economic development and how they can bring back youth who've left the country in order to build a viable economy again. Um, they're talking about really hard and tactical issues. And there was no conversation around kind of what we often spend a lot of time debating as women's issues. They truly were a shining example of how every single issue matters to women and is important that women's voices are heard. And I find it just an encouragement to not let any person define your value or your voice in the political process. Um, and I think these women are just an inspiration when you think about, you know, how do you do that, right? You just jump in and start taking the reins, whatever the issue is that you care about or that impacts your community or your country. I love that. Don't don't let one person define your, oh my God, I just said it, your values and your voice. And mm -hmm. I think that that is so important. I actually have a, a friend who's been on the podcast a couple of times who started an organization called Parents Unite. And it was during 2021 and a bunch of private schools were on a Zoom and we were being told 
you know, bunch of stuff about who we were and they started Parents Unite and it is an amazing organization and it is an example of being involved in the political process in an issue driven way because she heard something she didn't like and a couple of women got together and said, we're going to start this organization and she has been killing it. And, and I think that is really like your values and your voice and how can you impact society and do something that's, that's really cool. And it actually helps in the democratic process. So amazing. It's so amazing. I could honestly, I could talk to you for hours about this. And I think there are two things before we go that I would love to ask you because I have teenagers and I think volunteering is really important. And I think like I bring them around and I want to expose them to different things that I do. What is an age that like, do you have a program for college kids to learn about what the International Republican Institute does, what you do specifically on women's democracy? And if not, you know, are there journeys for women to take to go to other countries and to help and to listen and and to bring back feedback? Well, Jen, I love that you're talking about how you started this with your kids at a really young age, right? You brought them along with you. They've seen you in action. I think that's so important. I think that's something that anyone can do. Bring your kids along to public hearing and your you know, city council on an issue that you care about. Um, have your kids come out and volunteer one day going door to door with a candidate. Take them to your state capitol. Take them to your city hall. Have them walk in parades. All of these things, I think, help them to see the full picture of what a democracy is, right? And I think that really brings it down to an individual level that they, you're nurturing from a young age, right? So that they hopefully are getting that buy-in about what their role is in the process. I think, I wish we could take everyone with us um, and have them see what it looks like to build democracy at early stages or in really hard circumstances or after political transitions or conflict, because I think it would be humbling to all of us. And I think we would come back with a fire under us and what our own responsibilities are in our country. I would say that IRI has a great internship program and would encourage people to think about coming and trying to intern with us. We have spring, summer, and fall internships, both in person and virtually. I think they're great opportunities to get a feel for this space and this work. Even if it's not something you necessarily want to build a career in, I think it's always amazing experience to get to be a small part of investing in other people's ability to build their, their democracies. I also think that we do different events throughout the year where we highlight our partners. I think it's much more powerful for you to be able to hear it in their voice than mine. And so I just encourage you to check us out, www.iri.org. You can also follow us on social media where we try to amplify as much as possible the stories of the women that we're working with, as well as other ways to get involved and support them. But I would just say, I think the best thing that we can do is to continue to build our democracy so that we have the ability to inspire others and invest in, in their own opportunities to build robust and resilient democracies. I think we're very fortunate as Americans, 
even with, you know, we've talked about some of the messier parts of our political process, to have strong institutions and this strong identity to what it means to be part of a a democracy, right? And so I think those are the best things that we can cultivate so that we continue to be a partner for countries around the world that maybe are coming out of, you know, decades of dictatorship or hard, you know, conflict or civil wars that really need the United States to come alongside them and share how we've learned what worked really well and what didn't and to be a partner in and helping to build build their capacity to do that in their own communities and countries. So that would probably be where I would I would park how we can share the work that we do through IRI as well as think about what that means in our own lives on a daily basis. I love that. And I think I also want to point out one of the things that I should have said earlier, but I feel like I have gotten beat up a couple of times and you actually work in Women's Democracy Network. So I, I'm assuming you have probably taken some incoming fire on this mm-hmm. on saying that I actually believe in democracy, even mm-hmm. though I'm a Republican, I believe in democracy. So a one party system on either side does not work. We are not built as America. That was not what we were founded on. We were founded on a diversity of ideas and a diversity of thought. I happen to live in a state that's dominated by Democrats and we are we are blue, 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 blue. And it's not good. It's not healthy. And even if you have differing opinions in your own party, you still need to have opposing voices. So regardless of what party you're in, when folks talk about democracy, a healthy democracy and having good debate and having not everyone is going to be all the way to the right or all the way to the left. And not everyone is going to be in the middle, but we we should be a sprinkling of in a good, healthy democracy of differing thoughts along the political spectrum. So that way everyone could sit and negotiate and come to some sort of consensus. And I feel like, you know, since January 6th, has become that democracy is a bad word that is that some Republicans think is thrown around by Democrats. But really, it was how our country was founded on democratic principles. And and I just want to always like hone in on that, that democracy is a good thing and it's not a bad thing. And we don't want just one person with one thought or idea on any on any end to be in control and all the same people elected to office, that's not healthy. I think you're exactly right, Jen. I mean, democracy is not a perfect system, but it's the best system we've ever seen in action. And I think you can look at many countries around the world as case studies on what it's like when one party or one person controls every part of someone else's life. You know, you can look at Russia, you can look at China, you can look at Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, Belarus. I mean, I could go on and on, right? And so I think we have a lot to continue to work on in our own democracy. Um, But I still think that this process allows for human dignity and freedom and the opportunity to shape the world that we live in. And so, yeah, I still believe that, that it's a good thing and that it's something that is really good work to be part of investing in and, and, you know, leaving our impact on. Absolutely. 
Well, Valerie, thank you so much for doing this with me today. I really appreciate you being on Political Contessa. I hope that we can continue to have this conversation. I feel like there are going to be a lot of issues that come up over the next year and a half or so dealing with democracy and why it's so important for especially women to get out there and vote and let their voices be heard to pay attention. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. And thank you for creating the space for these conversations. I'm always a big fan and admire the work that you do and hope other women will be inspired to come join us. Absolutely. So with me today is Valerie Dowling. She works at the International Republican Institute as the director of the Women's Democracy Network. And she has already given all of her social media. It's on here. You can find her. And I encourage you to log on and to see the good work that the IRI does. And I encourage you to get out there and seriously, as Valerie said, have your voice heard, have your values listened to, don't let anyone tell you anything different and be educated on the topics and make sure you go out there and vote. Thank you for being with me here on Political Contessa today. I'm Jennifer Nassor. I'm your Political Contessa. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Thank you.